Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. We're going to go ahead and jump into uh, the word today. The first week of this series, Family Tree, we looked at two observations from Genesis chapter 1. The first one is God created us like trees, and he told us to be fruitful and multiply. And, And the other one is this, we can only bear fruit in our likeness. So whoever we are, that is who we, we are going to produce. And, and whether we know it or not, we're planting seeds of either righteousness or unrighteousness. And our children, our fruit, will most likely become like us. I, I, I want to make sure everybody understands that. Our children will most likely become like us. That means a chihuahua can't produce a Great Dane. A buzzard can't produce an eagle. A, a goat will not be able to produce sheep and a donkey will never produce a thoroughbred and that's the edited version that's not what first came to my mind okay (laughs) anything short of a miracle your kids will become just like you anything short of a miracle your children will become just like you and last week, we, we focused on the, the soil conditions, the soil conditions that, that does the environment where your family is planted, will it facilitate spiritual growth or does it prohibit spiritual growth? Young Timothy, he was raised in a godly home by his mother and his grandmother. We read about this last week, but he did not have a spiritual father. God put a spiritual father in his life, and the apostle Paul kept Timothy accountable he encouraged the, the young preacher, the young minister, Timothy, and, and helped him in his walk with Christ. And, and, and today we're going to close out this series, Family Tree. And this is probably the, the message that I'm most excited about with this series. And I've just kind of been waiting for us to get to this moment. But I want to close it out strong today. And I'm praying, and I've been praying for you, that I just believe today is going to be a day of breakthrough for people in this room. Amen. I just believe that with my whole heart. Over the years, over the past few years, rather, there's been this growing craze of people that are interested in finding out about their family lineage. And and, and to help facilitate this trend, there's been websites that have been developed to to help you uh, locate your genealogy records and trace your DNA, of course, for a fee. But, but you can go to these websites, things like MyHeritage.com or Ancestry.com, um, LegacyTree.com and 23andMe.com. The, the, these are just to name a few. Maybe you've seen their commercials on TV. Personally, I have never really wanted to dig into my family's past because I'm afraid of what I might find out. Someone asked me one time, someone that's really into this, they said, do you want me to do some digging for you? And, find, and I said, no, no, I don't. I really don't. I don't want you to. My family, my dad's side of the family, they were landowners in Georgia. And I just don't want to know. I mean, you can understand that. I just, there's, there's some things that I would just rather not know about our family. And I'm not saying there's anything there. I'm just saying we, we don't want to know that. But I've often wondered if I was related to President William McKinley, the 25th president of the United States of America. I've often wondered if I was related to him in any way, and that's about the only reason why I would ever do anything like that is because I just want to know if I'm related to him. He served in that position from 1897 until he was assassinated in 1901. 
And just like that, I can care less if I know if I'm related to him or not. Because if assassination runs in the family, I don't want to be involved. So let's just forget about it. We'll move on. If you start digging around your family tree, there's no telling what you're going to find in the roots. It can get dangerous, church. I recently read this story of of a group of of adult siblings. And they all received uh, these DNA tests as as part of one of these websites that they were all going to send in. So one of the siblings bought all the other ones. Hey, let's, 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 you know, I'll check it out. See, See what we're really made of here. And uh, their mom started acting a little, a little sketchy about it, encouraged them, oh, that's a waste of time. Let's, let's don't do that. And so it, it, it raised some skepticism in, in their minds, as you can imagine. And then they started wondering, which one of us does not belong to dad? <laughs> it, can, it can get hairy, I'm telling you. One Ancestry.com client uh, discovered that his great-great-grandfather was the notorious sausage king of Chicago. Now, you would think, well, that, that, sounds, that sounds great. This guy, he was the owner of a meat, somebody might want to get that. Uh, he was the owner of a meatpacking plant, and he was convicted of murdering his wife and disposing her body in a sausage grinder. Now you wish that you had not checked it out, you know. If I had that DNA test back, you know. But if you... It, it, most of us in the room, I would, I, let me just say it this way. There's a lot of us in there. There's very few people that just come from a, you know, like this, this holy pure lineage, you know. There's very few of us. And if they tell you they do, they're probably lying. Because for, for most of us, we don't have to dig too deep to find skeletons in the closet and bad fruit hanging from the tree. It's just, it's just part of life. And, and, and for most of us, we know where we came from. We do. We don't tell everybody. But we know where we came from. We, we know our heritage, no matter how rich or how poor it may be. But before you leave here today, church, I want you to understand that your family tree does not have to define you. Your family tree does not have to define you. Somebody needs to praise God for that right now because I know your family. Amen? My wife is blessed that her family tree does not define her. Amen. Amen. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Kind of. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I want to read verses 10 through 13 to get us started today. Galatians chapter 3. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. Verses 10 through 13. It reads like this. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written... Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. How many of you know that that verse right there is extremely convicting to everybody in this room and everyone who has ever lived? That if we have to abide by all things written in the book of the law, we're in trouble. Verse 11 says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Praise the Lord. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Church, every life, every life lived is made up of two things. The first one being this, seed. Seed, that's what our parents gave us. 
That's our, our, our DNA structure. It just comes along with us. I, I have no choice in this matter. <clears throat> the seed that my, my parents and, 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 and who they are, their DNA makeup, it made me who I am. I cannot change what family I was born into. And I cannot change what family I was born into. There are certain things about my DNA that cannot be negotiated. I know this. I've got my dad's nose and my mom's stubborn streak. I knew she would say amen right there. And if my mom's watching, mom, I apologize, but you know it's true. We are stubborn. Mandy got her looks from her mama, thank God. Have you ever seen her dad? But Mandy also got her grandmother's curiosity. That's a nice way of saying that they're nosy. We're made up of the seed, but we're also made up of deeds. Now, we can't do anything about our seed, but we can do everything about our deeds. The deeds, that, 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 that's our behavior. It's, it's our action. It's, it's how we respond. It's how we react. It's, it's our habits. It's the life decisions that we make and how we handle those decisions. How we handle the storms of life when they come our way. That's our deed. And every deed produces a seed. And, and seeds produce fruit. <clears throat> and so the type of fruit that you produce is what is up for discussion. In an effort to remind the church in Galatia of the sacrifice that Christ made for us, Paul explains to them that Jesus became the curse for us and he goes back to the law, he goes back to the Old Testament, and, and he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 21, specifically verses 22 and 23 is what he quotes. And here's what, he, here's what it reads. It says, that if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day, for a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance. For most capital punishments covered by Jewish law in that day and age, stoning was the preferred method of punishment. But on certain occasions, they would take that body and they would, they would hang it from a tree in public view for everyone to see in an attempt to deter crime. That if you see the punishment, if you see what happened to this man then, then, then maybe you won't do the same thing. But the law made it plain that the body should not hang there overnight. Jesus made it plain. Do not let that body hang there. Or, I'm sorry, God rather made it plain to the, to the Israelites. Do not let that body hang there overnight. Last week I had the privilege to attend the soil gathering ceremony with the, in, in conjunction with the Equal Justice Initiative out of Montgomery, Alabama, for the wrongful lynchings of, of the, what we refer to as the Newberry Six that took place in 1916. If you've never read about it, you, you should Google it. You should read about it sometime. Um, uh, I, I became interested in this when I first moved to Newberry. But unfortunately, because both uh, there, there's families on both sides of this thing that still live in the community, uh, descendants of them, it, it, and, and there could be someone in the room here today. I, I have no idea who's related to who, but it, it just became hush-hush for many years. And so 14 years ago, I remember nobody was talking about this. 
until in recent years a high school student became interested in it and decided to do a project on it and, and started interviewing different people and, and specifically one elderly woman that, that had some of the details. And, and it's, it's, it's a sad story. Um, listen, this is not a political message at all. I don't want anyone to read anything into this at all. Um, it's not even a, a social justice message. But these lynchings that took place all across our country, I believe that this is one of the two great sins of, of the United States of America that to this day we're still having to recover from these things. And, and one of them being racial discrimination and the way that we dealt with that. And then, and then the other being abortion. And you can tell right now that your pastor is very unpolitical when it comes to this. Because I'm really talking about two issues that both sides of the aisle support. So you can take your politics and, well, I won't tell you what you can do with them. But we can. But I had the opportunity to attend this, this ceremony where they were gathering soil to put in glass jars. And, um, and I've been there. I've been to the Equal Justice Initiative and I've seen the jars from all over the country where these unjustified illegal lynchings have taken place. And now they, they, they let the soil serve as a memorial for that. And it reminded me that a few years ago I had the opportunity on that trip to the Equal Justice Initiative Museum in, in Montgomery, Alabama, I had the opportunity to, to speak with an old man, an old elderly man in our community. Um, I'm not going to say his name. I don't have permission to say his name. But he was sitting next to me as I was driving a group of citizens to Montgomery, Alabama, and, and we had a lot of discussion. And he told me the stories that his father used to share with him, his father being raised right here in Newberry, and how his father would have to walk to school, to, to the black school. And he would have to walk right through what was referred to as lynch hammock. And his father told him how they would hang people from those trees, specifically black men from those trees. And, and his father told him how he would walk by for days and they would just let the bodies hang trying to send a message to the black community. It was tragic. It was, it was horrible, horrible. And on his way to school every day, this, this man, this, this young kid back then, he would have to walk by that and see that every day. God addresses this to the Israelites in the law. And he said, doing such a thing defiled the land is what he said. The land of your inheritance. The Apostle Paul referred to this law and he takes it and, and, and he applies the message of grace to it. And he talks about how Jesus hung on a cross as a substitute for our sins, a cross being made from a tree. How he hung on a cross as a substitute for our sins and how Christ became the curse for us. The cross of Christ was often referred to as a tree in Scripture. Acts 5 and 30 says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Acts 10 and 39 says, They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Uh, Acts 13 and 29 says, And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. So time and time again, the cross of Christ is referred to as a tree. And church, from the beginning of this earth, the concept 
of blessings and curses have often been associated with trees. All throughout Scripture, the concept of blessings and curses come through trees. Think about it. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve chose to eat from the forbidden tree, the only tree, the one tree that God told them not to eat from. He said, all the other trees are fine, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's the one that they, they chose to eat from. And it brought hardship and it brought suffering to them and to their children and to their offspring and their offspring until eventually we were affected by that. But then we get to Revelation chapter 22. And in Revelation chapter 22, it tells us that, that in eternity that believers are blessed when they eat from the tree of life. And so we see both curses and blessings that come from trees. It, it, uh, there was a tree that was involved in the entry of sin into humanity at the Garden of Eden. And there was a tree that was also involved in the elimination of sin for all who believe, for all who call upon the name of Jesus. They shall be saved. And so a tree that my Savior was nailed to brought about the elimination of sin in my life. If it brought about elimination for sin in your life, then you have a reason to put your hands together and glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? <clears throat> and when it comes to our family trees, blessings and curses can also affect the lives of our families. That's what this series has been about. It's about turning the page for a new chapter for your family, breaking the generational curses. Because blessings and curses can affect the lives of our families as it flows through our family trees. Maybe your family tree has set you up for struggles. Maybe your family history makes the family future look bleak. Maybe your DNA was DOA. And you thought to yourself, I don't have a chance. My children don't have a chance. My grandchildren, they don't have a chance. But how many of you know Jesus loves you too much to leave you that way? Oh, I can tell you this. Addictions run in my family. I know. Addictions run in my family. You want to know why I stay away from certain substances? It's because I know that addictions run in my family. And if Rocky McKinley wouldn't have got a grip on his life at some point in time, Rocky would not be on this stage. I may not even be alive right now, but by the grace of God, we changed history with my future. Don't allow your family tree to dictate who you will become. Because only one tree should control your future. And that's the cross of Christ, friend. Colossians 2 and 14 says he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. 1 Peter 2 and 24 says he himself bore our sins in the body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. Church, your future does not have to be determined by the seed that you came from or the deeds of your past. You see, for some of us, we can't even just blame the, the seed that came through our DNA. We've made the poor decisions. We've got history. But your future doesn't have to be determined by seed or your deed. 
let it be determined by the seed of Eve, stay with me, and the deed of Christ. Listen to this prophetic word that is found in the beginning in the first book of your Bible, third chapter in, verse 15. It tells us this as God speaks to the serpent who deceived Adam and Eve. He says these words, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And then he says, he shall bruise your head. I love it. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. When Christ was resurrected, when he came out of that tomb, he bruised his heel on the head of that serpent. He conquered death, hell, and the grave so that you and I would not have to be bound by it. We have an opportunity through Jesus Christ to redeem our family heritage. I've, I've taught it so many times, I don't have time to get into it today, but, but know this, all it takes, all it takes is three righteous generations in one family Three, and you will break those chains forever. Three. You can study it, go through scripture. It's the reason why he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's, there's three generations there. It was a father, it was a son, and it was a grandfather. And, and I'm telling you, when you get three righteous generations, you will break it. And you may have to be the first one. You might have to make, make the decision and be determined that I am going to be the first generation in my family to break this curse. And you will put your children and your grandchildren on a road to success in Christ Jesus if you will allow it to happen. In our office conference room, on this side, on the east side of the building over here, and moving into this building, we had a, an old conference table, and I went to the council, and I said, I want to I get a, a special table that made for our conference room. It's an interesting table if you've never seen it. It's, it's an epoxy river table. And uh, we were there, Pastor Andrew and Pastor Scott and myself, when the gentleman actually poured the resin down the middle. If you've never seen one, what they do is they take live-edge wood and, and, and they cut it right down the middle, flip it over where the live edge is on the inside, and they pour that resin, and, and it creates this river table. It's, it's beautiful. This particular table, we were told, was made from a piece of cypress that was found on the bottom of the Suwannee River near Fanning Springs, so it's, it's local. They estimate that this this piece of wood was 100 years old and they found it resting on the bottom of the Swanee River a number of years ago I used to watch this show about swamp bloggers I get fascinated with stuff like that and, and, and it, it blew my mind because I know that when moisture is present it can cause something to rot but why would they find forest on the bottom of these rivers yet the wood would be preserved. So it got me interested in it and I started researching. And, and although wood needs water to rot, completely submerged waterlogged wood will not rot. 
air and oxygen is driven out of all of the cells, not allowing enough oxygen to facilitate the growth of, of wood-eating fungi. And so it preserves the wood. Church, when we find ourselves submerged in His grace, when we find ourselves overwhelmed with His mercy, it will preserve our family tree. What was once rotting is renewed in Christ. And, and suddenly we begin to realize that, that our life is preserved, that our children's lives are preserved, that our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, we can break these curses that the enemy has haunted our families with for years. Your life does not have to decay and rot. Paul mentioned this in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 53 and 54 when he said this, he says, for the perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory death is swallowed up in victory you don't have to live a life and your family does not have to live a life that is corrupting because of sin you don't have to be bound to 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 the decay that that the enemy has has haunted your heritage with for years you can find victory from that in jesus name amen And I had a father who said, enough is enough for my family. And he made a decision as a young adult to change his life, to change his lifestyle, to change his habits, and to live a righteous life so that me my brothers could have the example of what a godly man looks like. I made the decision to follow in my father's footsteps. And now my son and my daughter, they've made the decision to follow in mine. to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.